I'm going to be preaching from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. It's Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. So if you want to grab a Bible, I'm going to be using the ESV. The title of the message, What We Truly Need. What We Truly Need. Now, I'm going to pray for us and then read the text and jump into it. Uh, so just give me one moment. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with with me? Well, our God and Father, we ask that you may bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Commentator, theologian, pastor John Stott says this in his commentary on the Ephesians. One of the best ways to discover a Christian's chief anxieties and ambitions is to study the content of his prayers and the intensity in which he prays them. We all pray about what concerns us and are evidently not concerned about what, about matters we do not include in our prayers. Prayers express desire. So if you want to get to know someone or yourself better, one of the chief ways to figure that out is to study the content and the passion of your prayers. Because our prayer expresses our deepest desires. If we really believe God is there and we have a link to the almighty superior being in the universe, well, then what we pray expresses what we truly want. So what are you praying for right now? What desires are you expressing in prayer to God presently? What's on your divine wish list? Perhaps your prayer is just, man, can everyone please just get vaccinated? Or perhaps your prayer is, no, can no one get vaccinated? It's detrimental to our health. Maybe your prayer is, oh, would the lockdown just be over, Lord? Give me my freedoms and release my extroversion. Or perhaps your prayer is, Lord, may the lockdown please continue. Give me my safety and protect my introversion. 
Perhaps you're praying for more government assistance because you're running low on cash. Or perhaps you're desiring for less government assistance because you're worried about the fiscal, you know, detriment it's going to have on future generations. But perhaps if we go less political and a little bit more personal, our prayers might be tapping and, and asking God for help with our parenting. Lord, may my kids just be nice for one minute. <laughs> perhaps you might be praying, Lord, would you give me someone to be with? to love, to have a friendship with, or to be married to one day. Perhaps you're praying for financial progress. Lord, I just need to make steps forward. I I just need this amount of money. Perhaps your wish list or your prayers are for mental stability. Oh, Lord, just give me freedom from the anxiety and depression that plagues me. Also with physical relief, perhaps, from illnesses. Lord, just heal me from this illness. Even if you aren't yet a believer, you're not yet following Christ, you probably practice some form of prayer one way or another. It may be vague wishings into the universe, or even perhaps in the height of a crisis when no one is looking, you might even let out a cry of help to the heavens and ask for God to help you. Well, today, as we turn to the Bible, we're going to see a divinely inspired prayer from the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Ephesians, which is in modern-day Turkey. And in this prayer, we're going to see Paul's desires, his deepest desires, and because he's led by the Holy Spirit, we're going to see God's desires for us. And in this prayer, we're actually going to see what we truly need. In this prayer, we're going to see what we truly need, what should inform our desires, what we should be crying out to God for ourselves and for others. No matter our age, no matter our circumstance, no matter our hopes or our heartaches, in this prayer, this is what we truly need. What we truly need is to be strengthened by the power of Christ's presence and to be filled with the knowledge of Christ's love. That's what we truly need. Now, that sounds a little bit abstract. We're going to dive into that in more detail. And so I have two points for us this morning for what we truly need. Number one, we need the power of Christ's presence. And number two, we need to be filled with the knowledge of Christ's love. We need the power of Christ's presence. We need the knowledge of Christ's love. All from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. So let's jump into that and see what this means for us and how this helps us. Point number one, we need the power of Christ's presence. This prayer in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 comes at a hinge point in the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, chapters one through three tell of God's amazing plan of salvation, that he chose us before time. He redeemed us in Christ from our sins and he set us in heaven with the seal of his Holy Spirit. That's our future. Uh, That he's brought together all the different nations of the world under Christ, that anyone from any background can become a Christian. And that he's putting all these Christians on display to the cosmic powers. That's chapters one through three. 
Chapters four through six is sort of the application of the gospel, applying the gospel. What does it look like now to live a life in light of those amazing realities? But at the hinge of those two sections of this great and amazing letter is Paul's deepest desire for his people, what he most wants for them. And let's look at the verse again, verse 14 to 16 of chapter 3. For this reason, for all that is gone before, look at what he does. I bow my knees before the Father. See the intensity. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. See the inclusivity. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you. What do we need? Look at verse 16 that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What does that mean? Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now that's a complicated sentence and request. Let me simplify it for you. We need to be strengthened by the power of Christ's presence. That's what we need. This is his first request. We need to be strengthened by the power of Christ's presence. What he's saying is that what we truly need, friends, is internal spiritual strength. We need internal spiritual strength, not comfort or not change in our circumstances, ultimately not even mental and physical health, but internal spiritual power. And what is that power? What is that strength that we need? Well, he says in verse 17, it is Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. Now, it sounds a little bit complex. So what does Paul mean by this? Well, when Paul says that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, what he's he's using this language that Christ takes up residence in our soul. He takes up residence in our soul. He dwells in you and strengthens your spirit and gives you power because he's dwelling there. He's right there with you in your soul, helping you to face the battles and challenges of life. He's a constant source of power flowing internally within you to meet every challenge in your life. He's praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts, not that he would just stay and, you know, bring kind of his overnight suitcase Uh, and check in on a Sunday and check out on a Monday, leaving us to fend for ourselves during the week. But he's praying that Christ would make a home in us, that he he would start to take over every room, uh, that he would start to own every part and place in our life. And so what Paul means by this is that even though Christ dwells within us already, Okay, because we we have Christ, we have his spirit. It's that we would be more and more aware of his presence and more and more focused on allowing Christ to live within us and influence us. That's why Paul says that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. Here's the reality that we need to know. We access the power of Christ's presence dwelling in us by actively trusting in him. So we access the power, we are strengthened by Christ dwelling in us, by actively trusting 
in Christ. That's what Paul's saying. He dwells in our hearts through faith. Faith is the channel, if you like, by which the streams of Christ's presence flow into us and fill us. That is, as we look to him and trust in him, he would begin to inhabit and influence every aspect of our heart so that no matter what is happening externally, we would have strength internally, joy internally, confidence internally, hope internally in the winds and waves of life. It's the power to get through anything. And who doesn't want that? Ultimately, that is an incredible gift that God can give us. Unshakable power of Christ's presence. Okay, but what does this actually look like practically? It sounds very vague and internal and spiritual. But in reality, friends, nothing could be more practical and helpful to you in your everyday life than Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith and strengthening you. One of the best examples of this is the scenario of Peter walking on water. Now, you may know that story well, you may not know it, uh, but it's an incredible picture of the, the Christian life and what it means to have to be focused on Christ by faith and have power to overcome the winds and the waves of life. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 14, this story. Jesus, just to to give you a little tiny bit of context, is Jesus uh, sends the disciples out on a boat. They're in a storm for about nine hours rowing against. They can't make any headway. So Jesus goes out to them and he goes out to them walking on water. They freak out. They think, oh, who is this? Is it a ghost? Jesus reveals that it's him. He's the I am. Um, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter, for some reason, just is like, hey, command me to come out on on the water with you. And so Peter, you know, jumps out on the water and we'll pick up the story from there. Lord, if it it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So you got to imagine this scenario. You know, so Peter's out there. He's on, you know, walking on water at this moment. He's had enough faith to jump down into these waves that he's been rowing against for nine hours. And the only way that Peter is able to walk on water is by focusing his gaze fully on Jesus. When he's focused on Christ, or to use the language of Paul in Ephesians 3, when Christ is dwelling in his heart through faith, he has the ability to weather the winds and waves of life. But as soon as Peter gets distracted, as soon as Peter loses concentration and focus, he looks to the left and sees the waves and and the sea and the wind is blowing in his face, he begins to sink. And that's why Jesus says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
Peter, uh, uh, Jesus asked Peter this question because he wants Peter to learn the lesson, to learn the lesson that the only way to weather the winds and waves of life is to focus fully on him, to be undistracted, to have complete concentration. So to use the language of Paul, what we truly need to be able to weather the winds and waves of life is to be strengthened with the power of Christ's presence in us through faith. Because here's the reality. Through trusting in Christ, through actively focusing on Jesus in whatever the wind and the wave and the storm that is offered to you, will give you the strength and the power to persevere, to have confidence, to have joy, to overcome temptation, and to have hope in the midst of any single trial. But if you're anything like me, uh, what begins in faith uh, when a new challenge comes quickly falters. I quickly get distracted and the winds and the waves become far more aware and present to me than Christ dwelling in my heart through faith, than all the power that I have through trusting in Jesus. And suddenly, just like that, my confidence, joy, and hope dissolves. It evaporates, right? And suddenly all this power and strength that I have access to, I lose because I lose focus on Christ. You can be having a really good day, uh, enjoying yourself, you know, just everything's going well. You've had a nice coffee. We've won a gold medal. Uh, you finish some task, tick it off your to-do list, and then you get a text. could be from a friend, a, a boss, a boyfriend, girlfriend or something, and the text says, hey, can we chat about something? You think, oh, oh, no. Uh, you reply, yeah, sure, what's up? And then the dreaded thing happens. It just says at the top of your screen, so-and-so is typing. Or it just has the on the Apple, the dot, dot, dot. And so you see them begin to type and then stop. And then start again and then stop. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. And then it's really, really long. And in that time, suddenly all of your joy and your peace and confidence dissolves, evaporates. You're like, oh my goodness, what are they going to say? What have I done wrong? Am I about to get broken up with? Am I going to lose my job? What's happening? How quickly it happens. Peace dissolved, joy dissolved, confidence dissolved. It could be that you get a call from the doctor's office. Those routine blood samples that you got done last week. The secretary calls you and says, ah, there's, there's something that's popped up in your results. You better come in. And you, you ask, well, is it serious? There's a pause on the end of the line. It'd be best if you came in and spoke with the doctor. Boom. Confidence dissolved. Joy dissolved. Peace dissolved. Like a sun shower in the middle, uh, like a, yeah, like a shower of rain in the middle of summer evaporates. And friends, this is normal. Uh, this is to be expected. We are fallen and sinful human beings. We we can't always be 100% focused and concentrated on Christ. But the important part in this is what do we do next? Where do we turn for help when the winds and the waves of life come? Perhaps you turn inward to yourself. 
uh, 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 Dr. Google, tell me the answer. Oh, what have I done wrong? You try and think of 6,000 different possible solutions to solve your problems. Or maybe you turn the other way, you puff your chest and you say, I can beat this, I'm strong, I'm capable. Perhaps you turn to others. And instead of turning to Christ, you just immediately go to friends and family and say, hey, this is what's happening. Would you help me? Uh, you know, how can we solve this problem? But what we really need to do, the one thing we really need, the thing that Paul longs for the Ephesians and longs for us and the thing I long for you and for myself, what we really need to do in the winds and waves of life is turn toward Christ. We need to be strengthened by the power of Christ's presence in us through faith, through looking to Christ, through trusting in Christ, by reminding ourselves of the promises, reminding us that he hasn't left us, that he's here with us in this very storm. And the result, when we are strengthened with this power, when when we are focused, we have the power to fight off sin and temptation. We have the power to joyfully persevere in trials. We have the power to stand firm no matter the circumstance. The circumstance doesn't have to change for us to be strengthened with power. And that's why Paul prays this for the Ephesians and for us, because that's what we truly need. Paul says elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 4.16, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Friends, what you and I truly need is to be strengthened with the power of Christ's presence in us by focusing on him in every circumstance of life. Paul doesn't stop there. What? That was point number one. We need the power of Christ's presence. But point number two, we need the knowledge of Christ's love. Point number two, we need the knowledge of Christ's love. Let me continue reading from our passage. That you, verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love may have strength, that is, or the ability to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, another long and complicated sentence, but in it, is such a crucial point that we need, a a crucial reality that we need. We need to be filled with the knowledge of Christ's love for us. It's what we need. We need to be filled with the knowledge of Christ's love for us. Paul uses language to strain this concept and to try and explain just how much Christ loves us. The the breadth and length and height and depth, the, the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. We need to know that love, but it's so hard to know it. 
It's so hard to believe it. It's so hard to truly perceive it because we're so used to rejection. We're so used to selfishness and loneliness. We're so used to abandon. There's so much hurt and brokenness. And we're even so used to our own lack of love in our own lives. And Paul's aware of this in such a way that we, he knows that the Ephesians and us need strength from God. We actually need a divine ability from God to even begin to comprehend and ascertain this love. So if you're feeling like, I don't know if Christ loved me, if you're feeling distant from it, this is a prayer to cry out, Lord, help me to ascertain, to comprehend, to have the strength to understand just how much you love me. And what is this love like? Well, you know, one commentator kind of spells it out a bit like this. It's a love which is broad enough to embrace all the world and a love long enough to last forever. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world broad that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's, it's that long. It's a love high enough to take sinners to heaven and a love deep enough to reach us in our sin. Romans 8. I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's so high, this love. It takes us all the way up to heaven. It's so deep. It reaches us in the depth of your sin and my sin. And ultimately, it's a love which is most fully displayed at the cross. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, this passage teaches us that we are worse than we could ever imagine. We're, we're so bad that God had to die for us, but we're more loved than we could ever dream. God died for us. It's a love that will never leave you or let you down. It's a love that seems to be too good to be true because it's a love that surpasses all knowledge. Peter O'Brien in his commentary says it like this. We can never plumb its depth or comprehend its magnitude. No matter how much we know the love of Christ, how fully we enter into his love for us, there always is more to know and experience. You know, friends, each one of us, we're limited in our loves. Even the love a husband has for a wife is limited. How often are husbands and wives selfish and, and don't love each other? Even a love a parent has for a child has its limits. There are so many times, or maybe I'm just a bad parent, where I love myself more than my kids and I serve myself instead of serving them. Um, a love for a, a child for a parent has its limits. But God's love has no limit. It surpasses all knowledge. It's not boxed in or bounded by any perimeter. And so Paul strains language here so that the Ephesians and us can get a, get a taste, get a sense, get a, get a vision, paint a canvas of just how incredible 
this love is. And he wants them to know it and experience it and to be filled with it, that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. And why does Paul pray that we would know Christ's love? Why do we need this so badly? Well, Paul's a pastor. He knows people. And he knows how quickly and easily our knowledge and experience of the love of Christ fades. Isn't that true? We wake up almost every morning as an unbeliever. And he knows how dangerous it is for us as Christians to doubt his love to forget his love, to be ignorant of his love, to miss his love. We're so prone to forgetting and it's so dangerous to forget because then we go and seek love elsewhere. So friends, I want to ask you this question. Do you know his love this morning? Not just intellectually, but experientially in the depth of your being, in the, in the core of your soul, do you know that Jesus Christ loves you? He loves you. We might think he tolerates me. I mean, he's bad books because I stuffed it this week. He really loves others, but not me. Well, do you know that Jesus loves you? He doesn't just love his church or the world or people or that Jesus is just a simply loving person, but that the king of heaven and earth, our savior, who sits at the right hand of the father, who came to die in our place and for our sins, that Jesus, that glorious one, that supreme one, loves you, you individually, Not the person sitting next to you. Not the kids running around in front of you. He actually loves you. It is, it surpasses knowledge. To actually know that and experience that and personally apply that to your soul is an incredible reality. Knowing this love strengthens us. Knowing this love prepares us. You know why it's so important that we know this love? Because the winds and the waves of life will rock us. Yes, we step out in faith. Yes, we will live for Christ, but we cannot avoid the winds and waves of life. And when the storm picks up, when death and tragedy loom, when the heartbreak happens, when the pain and the suffering and the mental anguish and the ongoing trials that seem to have no end go on and on and on, and in the good and the best and the most pleasurable moments of our lives, we need to know that they are all expressions of his love. The good and the bad come through our loving Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The good times aren't more of a sign of his love than the bad. Just because you're going through a trial, it doesn't mean that he stops loving you. It doesn't mean he's displeased with you necessarily. He loves you with a limitless love. His love is perfect and complete at all times and in all circumstances. He loves and 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 he loves loves without end. And he loves you if you are in Christ. 
So do you know this love today? Do you know experientially in the fullness of your being his love today? And if you are not yet a believer, if you are not yet following Jesus, he has a love for you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And he wants you to know his love. He wants you to love him and experience all the fullness of himself in you, strengthening you. And so would you come to Christ and know true love, unsurpassing love, limitless love today? And the result, verse 19, (laughs) that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that means, uh, but it can't be bad. Okay, so some through knowing, through having this internal strength and power, uh, through having Christ dwell in our heart, through experiencing the fullness of his love, the result is we're filled with all the fullness of God. And that sounds good, and I want more of that. So what we truly need in life, friends, is to be strengthened by the power of Christ's presence in us and to be filled with the knowledge of Christ's love for us. So returning to John Stott's quote, prayer expresses desire. What we really, really want is expressed in what we pray for. Paul has shown us in his prayer what we truly need. We need the power of Christ's presence. We need the knowledge of Christ's love. And these two realities is what we need. And it's also what we need to pray for others. Once we come to comprehend just how incredible these two gems are to have Christ dwelling in us and to know the experience of his love, this ought to inform our prayers. And so there's a very simple application for us this morning. Based on all of these glorious truths, once we've understood them now, here's what we need to pray. We need to pray for lots of things, but here's two things we must pray all the time. Pray for yourself that you would be strengthened with the power of Christ's presence and filled with the knowledge of his love. Begin your prayers with that type of praying, pleading with God, give me, help me to focus on Christ so that I would have power to get through anything. Lord, help me to ascertain the height and width and length and breadth of your love for me because I'm so quick to forget it. And secondly, to pray this for others. To pray for those in your life group, pray for those in your family, those that you love, those uh, your kids or your mom or your dad, your friends and your family. Pray these prayers for them. Pray that uh, your pastors, uh, pray that our church, Sovereign Grace Parramatta, pray that we would be strengthened with the power of Christ's presence, that he would dwell in us through faith. Pray, desperately pray that everyone you know would be able to ascertain the love of God and truly know it deep down. Pray these prayers because if we have these two things, we can get through everything. That's why we need it so badly. Oh, how sweet it would be. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to win the lottery somehow or find a scratchy ticket and win a million bucks? That would solve a lot of problems, but it wouldn't last. How great it would be for someone to fall in love with you and, and to be able to get married and start a family, but it won't last. 
how sweet all these things would be if we could have all of our circumstances changed, our mental health removed, our physical suffering removed. Sweet, yes, but temporary also. Whereas these two things, ah, these will get us through everything. When the winds and the waves don't let up, when the circumstances won't change, when the trial continues on and on and on from days to weeks to months to years to decades. Ah, that's why Paul prays this. Because these two things is what are what we truly, truly need. So pray it for yourself. Pray it for others. And Sovereign Grace Barunga, I, I wish I could be there with you. I wish I could pray with you in person. I wish we could be hanging out and spurring one another on in love. But more than any of that, I wish these two things for you, that you would be strengthened with power. Oh, that you would have power to know and focus on Christ and that you would be flooded with the knowledge and experience a true spiritual awakening in your soul to know the actual reality of Christ's love for you. That's what I want for you more than anything. So let me pray. Lord God, I pray and ask that you would strengthen each and every single one of us who are listening now with the power of your presence in Christ. Help us to look to him, to focus on him, to have faith in him through every trial, no matter what is happening, the good and the bad. And Lord, would you flood us and fill us with an experience of your love like we've never had before? Would we have no doubt in our hearts that you truly love us for who we are and that you will bring us all the way home? Lord, I love this church. I ask that you would bless them. Would this word go into their soul, strengthen them and fill them with joy and pray this in Jesus name. Amen.